Welcome back for episode 15 of Self-Signed Artist. If you've been with us for the last 14 episodes, you've heard us talk about converting listeners into fans. But what does that actually mean? In this episode, we'll clear that up and give you the key to growing your fan base. You're listening to Self-Signed Artist, the podcast that helps independent musicians run their brand like a business. Now, your hosts, Kobe Nelson and Jake Mannix. How's it going, everybody? I'm Kobe Nelson, and sadly, today, I'm all alone. I'm just kidding. Psych! Of course, Jake is here. Jake Mannix is here with me as always. How's it going, Jake? It's going good. It's going good. How many listeners do you think heard me say that and were just like, see ya, just <laughs> gone? Uh, zero. <laughs> yeah, our numbers are going to be low this week. My bad. <laughs> Neg- they were. It was actually negative people because more people are listening now. <laughs> what? <laughs> because they thought I wasn't going to be here. <laughs> Now I'm confused. Anyways, (laughs) what have you had going on this week? Any projects? Uh, I've got a couple of mixes to do. An artist I work with, Johnny Two Phones, is releasing a song tomorrow, so that's kind of cool. Cool. Tomorrow, meaning for the listeners, three weeks ago or something like that. July 31st. July 31st. (laughs) How about yourself? Anything spicy happening? Yeah, I'm actually I'm things are coming back. So I'm I'm booked up for mixes for the longest time in advance that I have been since the start of all this quarantine stuff. So nice. things have kind of finally returned to normal. I've got an R&B hip hop e sort of mix going on right now and then following that up with like a folk album mix. Ooh. So some diversity <laughs> in there which is cool. I've done mostly like rock kind of stuff. So mixing it up a little bit has been pretty fun. Nice. But yeah. Folk. Well, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, folks, here we go. Let's dive right into this episode. So in quite a few of the episodes we've done so far, we've talked about converting people into fans. So We touched on this in the last episode, I believe, about daily habits. We discussed it in episode 10, I'm sure, about making live shows more engaging, converting people with your live shows. It came up in episode 9 on Social Proof. It comes up a lot. Actually, episode 2 about building an image was a major one, too, where we discussed creating a fan avatar so that you can direct your branding towards your ideal fan. So today, I want to dive deeper into that concept of converting people into fans, because I think the real key to actually doing this is never really talked about. We talk about all the marketing kind of lingo and stuff like that, um, but actually diving into it isn't done a whole lot. I'm actually going to go ahead and give you the key right off the bat, no mystery or lead up, and then we can kind of break it down. All right. Ready? Here we go. The key to converting fans and growing a fan base is knowing what a fan is, (laughs) knowing what the end goal is. What is the change that you are trying to initiate in a person, a potential fan? So what brought this up? This week, it occurred to me that this is an important part in the discussion on all of this stuff because we never really defined what a fan is or what it looks like for somebody to quote-unquote convert to a fan. That's one of those things that I say all the time, convert fans, but I never really explain it. So that's what I want to do today, because I think knowing and understanding the details of what that phrase means will allow you to make the best strategic moves to grow an actual fan base. And I'm fully aware that on the surface, this seems obvious and like a waste of time. Like, Everybody knows what fans are. We're all fans of someone or something fair. I I think we all know what it feels like to be a fan. But for most artists, though, I think it's difficult to see the flip side of that coin. And it's hard to translate what we know about being fans into a strategy to get others 
to become fans of us. You know what I mean, Jake? Like, it's it's one thing to be a fan of somebody. It's another thing to figure out how you became a fan or how to get others to become a fan of you. Yeah, yeah. Now that you're saying, I have no idea how I've ever become a fan of anyone. Yeah, we don't give it much thought. So, like, why is that? Well, when you become a fan of an artist, it's hard to pinpoint when it happens, let alone how it happens. When we all go looking for new music or things that we might like, we aren't actually trying to become a fan of any given thing. At least I don't go about searching for anything that way. It sort of just happens. We hear something, we see something, we interact with something or interact with someone and we like it. It makes us feel good, whatever. So we start seeking out more of whatever that is. We go a little bit deeper, and ultimately, after that process, maybe we've become a fan. It's kind of a fluid and gradual process, because nobody nobody's browsing around with the goal of, you know, I'm going to become a dedicated fan of three new artists <laughs> today. <laughs> Our goal isn't to become fans. Our goal is just to discover something that we like and feel good. That's the fundamental thing to understand about fans' intentions, I think. They're trying to discover and feel good. So all of that is in pretty stark contrast, I think, with what goes on on the other side from what I see artists thinking about and trying to initiate on the artist side. Artists are often much more direct about their goal, I think. They want fan numbers. They want big fan numbers. To hear an artist say that they've set a goal of, I'm going to get three new fans today, or I'm going to get 30 new fans or, or 300 new fans today, that doesn't sound like quite as strange of a statement as a music consumer saying, I'm going to become a fan of three new artists today. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a, the, the goal of an artist is to get fans. The goal of the consumer is to discover something, not to become a fan of something. So all of that marketing talk of fan conversion and engagement Basically, all the words that I've said in the past that I don't like <laughs> in all these episodes. I know I mentioned that in the last episode. I don't like engagement. <laughs> I don't really like networking. Content. <laughs> yeah, like all those kind of like flashy marketing words. That all skews our perspective, I think, of what the ultimate goal is when we're talking about converting fans. Since we're thinking about fans and creation of fans as this word converting fans, we kind of picture it as this like instantaneous point in time. Like it's, you're not a fan one second and then the next second you're all of a sudden a fan. And we don't really think about the actual event or I guess you could say series of events or the <laughs> the time that passes and the transition that happens when somebody is becoming a fan. So from the artist side, it makes it feel like a transaction. It's kind of impersonal. I've gained a fan. I can add another little tick to my fan tally or whatever. <laughs> you know, like, do, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, though? Yeah, like, yeah. we're looking at follower numbers. We're looking at listener numbers. It's like you're just looking to add that next one onto the pile. Yes. And you know what? I do that very often. And hey, this works for the podcast. Something I just learned today. Um, and I don't know how long they've been doing it on Spotify. You used to be able to go down to the bottom of an artist's profile on your phone and it would show you the amount of followers they have. Mm. I think now that I'm thinking about it, it might've only been desktop, but now it's not there. So if it ever was there, it's not anymore. Ah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. I hadn't noticed that, Mm. but I, I mean, I think that kind of reveals some of the problem that a lot of artists face like you're you're going after just those numbers it's a numbers game yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm getting at they might be trying to combat that a little bit by doing that if so that's that's a good thing i think because mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean the reason that this whole mindset is a problem is that it sends a lot of artists down paths that i actually think have almost zero chance of actually getting them any true fans anyways and 
you know, for this episode, I'm going to call this fan fever. And we've all seen it. Maybe you've even done it. I know it's something that I've focused on, even just with social media and stuff like that, even though I'm not an artist. And fan fever, I think, is when an artist is so desperate for more fans, for more numbers, that they just straight up spam everybody in sight. And if all you're going for is numbers or followers or listeners, then spam is the easiest road. So like to give an example of that, like just scroll through Instagram or Facebook comments for like five minutes and you're going to see a thousand examples of that. You're going to see a comment like, my name is such and such, check out my new song. Or if you like such and such artists, go follow my account. You know, where it's like not even relevant to what the actual post is. People are just like throwing up in the comments like, look at me, listen to me. I'm great. Check me out. And people get more creative with it sometimes too. But at the end of the day, I think all of that is still spam. And I see it all the time. And I don't get it because it just doesn't work like at all. In fact, I would argue that it actually hurts you in the eyes of people who could really truly be a potential fan. Like, do you do you see that still all the time? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I do see it all the time. And I really hate when someone does it on my page. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but one time <laughs> I had success with it, dude. I mean, I've had success with it, too, not from an artist perspective, but from a business perspective. Right. It was It's like an off chance. But I agree with you completely that you're doing way, way more damage then you are doing good. Like there's this one artist that does exactly that and he's actually kind of good, but him doing that like makes me be like, nah, nah. I mean, like the thing that kind of switched my mind and made me stop doing that, I only really tried that a couple times. Mm -hmm. But like when I was thinking about it or even like for you listeners out there, like think honestly about it. When have you ever seen a comment like that and even clicked through to see the person's account, let alone like click through listened to the song, checked out more of their songs, and then like became a fan of somebody. Like, be honest. For me, I don't think I've ever done it like a single time. Have you? Like, do you ever click on anybody? Only if it's like, I can tell it's going to be bad. <laughs> Only if I know it's <laughs> so, going to be horrible. So in a situation where it really does hurt the person even more. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm doing what they ask, but man, they, <laughs> that's yeah. not what they should have been asking for. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, I think the same thing goes for not even just comments, but like DMs. Like, I've never once read a cold DM that somebody sent me where they're like, check out my music. And then like actually gone to check out the person's music. I'm much yeah. more likely, I think, to like block a person who did that rather than like go and follow them. Yeah, for sure. And, and really, I think the fundamental truth about why that is a bad idea to just go out and spam is that like nobody likes to be told what to do, right? Like that's not how you create any of your, your own tastes or anything like that. So spamming people on social media, we're saying is a bad strategy for converting fans, but I think it also reveals one of the major flaws in a lot of artists' growth strategies, and that is, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, that they don't really know what a fan is in the first place. They're kind of shooting for the wrong thing to begin with. So let's unpack that a little bit. To explain what a fan is, I'm first going to explain a few things that a fan isn't. So first, a fan does not equal a follower. In the internet-based music industry today, I think this is one of the main misconceptions that artists have. There's a lot of talk about the importance of social media, strategies for getting more followers. You know, like, as a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've consumed a fair amount of that type of content as well, how to build your Instagram following or, or whatever. <laughs> but with all of that, we have to remember that we're not talking about fans. A follower on social media is a follower on social media. That's not to say that they aren't important or useful. I, I definitely think that they are. A follower on social media may indicate somebody who's more likely to become a fan than some like random person on the street that you just cross paths with. But I don't think that they're necessarily there yet. Would you agree with that, Jake? Yeah, because I feel like a fan is someone that is interested in all of what you're doing. 
like the branding and the music and like how I don't know, just like the the whole your whole package, but a follower could just be like, yeah, like I think they're cool, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I mentioned that I think in our last episode on daily habits when we were talking about engaging with followers on social media every day. Mm-hmm. I talked about how I don't go to social media like Instagram to discover new music. Like if I follow an artist on Instagram, it's for a completely different reason than if I were to follow the same artist on like Spotify, for example. I follow the Instagram because the content they post is either interesting, entertaining, or aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. And I like to look at it. I follow plenty of artists whose music doesn't end up in my heavy rotation too. Like that, I, I follow artists that I wouldn't be interested in buying their merch. Yeah, I'm not going to buy tickets to their shows. And ultimately that means I'm not a real fan, I would say. I'm just a follower on social media, period. There actually very recently was a pretty big case of that from a rapper called Smoke Perp. Mm. He's he's got like one point some or however many millions of followers on Instagram. I think it's one point something. And he came up with Lil Pump. You remember Lil Pump? Yep. Yeah. So him and Smirk Smirk Perp, him and Smoke Perp <laughs> came up together, and he's got you know the the millions of followers on Instagram, whatever. And he dropped a record, and first week it did five k streams or buys buys like five just five k. Even so, yeah, yeah, it's rough. <laughs> yeah, I think that's counting streams now, isn't it? Doesn't the yeah? There's like uh, equivalent like streams. I forget what the actual number is, but there's like a number of streams that is equivalent to an album sale. Right, right. Which is probably so far off, but <laughs> yeah. Even so, like, geez. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a perfect example. Exactly. Yeah. Like that example is another reason why spamming on social media is kind of pointless. Like when an artist spams in the comments on Instagram, or even if they're successful in getting somebody to follow them, which let's be honest, they probably won't be. But but still, let's say for the sake of the argument, they are successful. That still doesn't grow their fan base. They're not going to create any real growth as an artist. That also kind of leads us to the second thing that does not equal a fan. Maybe it doesn't fit perfectly with that example, but I I think this one's going to come as a surprise to most people, and it certainly came as a surprise to me when I first made the realization, and that is that a listener is not the same thing as a fan. I'm going to let that sink in for one second. The fact that you have... 100,000 or even a million plays on a song on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever is not necessarily an indicator of how many fans you have. Yes. It's a good thing to have. You want 100,000 or a million streams, you're going to get money for that. <laughs> that's that's good for your business, but that's not the same thing as saying you have a million fans by a long shot or it's not really even making any statement about how many fans you have. So, why is that? If you're like me, you consume quite a bit of music on streaming services. That's just kind of how we all consume music now, whether it's through playlists or something Spotify suggests or through similar artists like we've talked about before or through radio. I mean, I mean, you listen to a lot of stuff. What percentage of artists whose songs you've listened to would you say you became an actual fan of? A fan of the artist where you would like seek out more from them? I don't know. Would you be able to put a number on that, Jake? 10%, 5%, 1%? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty low. Yeah, for for me, I don't know. It's probably closer to 1% yeah. than 10%. Would you be able to put a number on it for yourself? Probably like point something, honestly, <laughs> because I listen to like a lot of uh, like Spotify daily mix where they'll just shove a bunch of songs that from artists that you've never heard or listened to before or like once or twice, throw them in there. And I'll listen to that. And like sometimes I'll go to it, but like a lot of times I'm not. So I would say definitely in the point range, the point, yeah, maybe even in the point zero zero point zero zero <laughs> range. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's kind of the thing about it is that even with that example, like listening to the daily mixes or whatever, saying that I only like or end up becoming a fan of one percent of those artists, that's not to say that I only like one percent of songs. I just mean that it's a small percentage of artists that I hear that truly convert me into a dedicated fan of the artist. To me, it takes more than one song. 
to become a fan of an artist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the reason I think there's a misconception surrounding that is that there are different levels of fandom, I think. You can be a fan of a song, like one song. The classic example would be like a one-hit wonder, something that really no artist wants to be. You could be a fan of an album. For me, that would be like Taylor Swift. (laughs) I was a fan of an album. You can be a fan of an artist's music as a whole. This is getting closer to being a full fan. And then you can be a fan of an artist, like like you were saying earlier, Jake, the full package. Mm-hmm. And I think that should be your real goal as an artist yourself. You're going for like the grand prize. You want people to be a fan of the full brand, including the music, including the rest of the brand. Totally agree. All right. So, so now that we've kind of cleared up what a fan is not... Let's get into what a fan is or how you should think about what your fans are if you if you want to grow a fan base. A fan is a friend that you don't know, a friend that you've never met. That sounds kind of corny, but thinking about it that way is the key to growing a fan base, I think. You have to come at it from that angle. You need to treat your fans and even more importantly, your potential fans who aren't your fans yet, as if they're your friends. So think about your favorite artists, the ones that you've been a fan of for the longest, say. Like, have you ever gone to a concert and been lucky enough to meet an artist that you're a huge fan of? Maybe you've had this experience, you walk up to the person and you start talking to them and it immediately becomes awkward because you not only know them by name, but you know everything about them. You know details of their life. Maybe you know even small details, like they like a certain flavor of Skittle or whatever. You know, like in your mind, they are the equivalent to a friend that you've known for years. Have you ever had that experience, Jake, where you go up to somebody and you like you feel like you, have, you can talk to them like a friend, and then you kind of realize that they don't have a clue who you are, and it just makes it sort of weird? No. I'm introverted. I'm introverted, though, so... Yeah, I I guess, I mean, I'm introverted too. I've definitely had that sort of experience though where like I've met somebody and you just like, for me, it manifests as I want to say something and I don't because I realize that the interaction is weird and that I know all this stuff about this person and they don't have a clue who I am. Do you regret not saying what's up? Honestly? No. Okay, all right, all right. We just had to check. The listeners wanted to know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it has, I haven't met a ton of like people that I'm a huge fan of. But anyways. <laughs> Kobe's got high standards. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just don't meet anybody. <laughs> but I mean, in that situation, they know nothing about you. That's what makes the interaction feel a little bit awkward. You, if you do approach them, you start out feeling like they're your friend, treating them like a friend. And then they have to somehow figure out a way to return that and make it feel like you're their friend too. And and <laughs> some of the the best artists at this, I mean, can do that. They can make it feel like they've known you forever while they're also, you know, gathering information like they're meeting a stranger for the first time because they are. Like they'll ask you what your name is in some way that makes you feel like you've known them forever. Like that's an experienced artist in this type of thing. But but that awkward lopsided encounter means that they did something right, I think, in their branding and how they built a fan base in the first place. They built a friend relationship with you through their music, through their social media, their press interviews, how they interact with the audience from the stage. That's one thing that we talked about before in relation to converting fans. Some of those other things we've talked about too in previous episodes. That's what you need to do with all of your content. Build a friend relationship, talk to your fans and potential fans like friends. So that's why social media followers are great potential fans. I said that a little earlier, but they aren't necessarily fans yet. Followers are people who have opted into seeing your content regularly. They've given you that permission to kind of push content towards them and they've opened that door up for you so you can go in and start to build that relationship. Same thing I think goes for listeners even. If somebody's a listener of a song or even a fan of an individual song, 
they've kind of opened that door up for you to go and start building a friend relationship again. I, I think this is also why the spam approach never works. To go back to that example, you can think of a spam post or a spam comment or spam DM as like walking up to a stranger on the street and asking them for a favor. <laughs> like a favor that social norms would say you would only ask of a friend. You know what I mean? So for for example, like imagine walking up to somebody on the street in like Times Square and asking them to help you move into your new apartment in San Francisco. <laughs> like that's a big ask. Yeah. And you're not going to get many takers. And I don't know if you, if you do get a taker, I don't know if you want that. They're probably like a serial killer or something anyways, if somebody like takes you up on that offer and is going to let help you move to San Francisco. So it's best just to not put yourself in that situation. That's it kind of over the top example. I think of what a spam post is. If you ask for a favor straight out of the gate before even introducing yourself, you're going to get an answer depending on the mood of the stranger, depending on how they're feeling and how rude they want to be. You're going to get an answer along the lines of why would I want to do that? You know, like if you post on uh, a comment section or something, and you say, hey, check out my new song. If somebody doesn't know who you are, their initial reaction is going to be some form of why would I want to do that? <laughs> right? Like that's how I feel when I see those posts. And you've already lost in that situation. Yeah. I would just say, why wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. There's a comeback for that. But you don't get to do that in the comments because somebody thinks it and then they yeah. <laughs> never interact with you at all. <laughs> so what I'm saying is you need to make friends before you can you can do those types of things. So the big question then is how do you cause that to happen? And we established early on in this episode thinking about how we become fans of other artists that happens sort of naturally and seamlessly from the fans perspective but that doesn't mean that as an artist you have no say even though it happens kind of naturally and unconsciously for a fan you still can set up an environment where that is possible for a person so i think there are three essential steps that a person has to take to make that conversion to a fan of you as an artist, full package. To go from being a stranger to feeling like a friend. And that will lead to the ultimate fourth step, which is the actual conversion. So we'll, we'll get through all of those things. What's up, you cool cats? Thanks for listening to the Self-Signed Artist Podcast with myself, Jake Mannix, and the one and only Kobe Nelson. If you guys are enjoying this episode, please, oh please, go give us a five-star review along with a great write-up on your favorite and preferred podcast platform. The first step is one that we've already alluded to with the whole spam discussion, and that's discovery. People don't like being told what to do. They like to be explorers. They like to uncover something that they didn't know they were even really out there looking for. So when you discover a new song or a new artist, you feel good, you feel connected to it. And I think when you really discover something that, especially if it's not big yet, if it's not like widely known, you feel some sort of ownership of that song. Would you agree with that, Jake? Like you kind of attach a piece of your identity to it. You discovered this. Yeah, I would say so. Because some, I mean, it's that thing like when you discover a band and then you show your friend and then they show their friends and you get mad at them for showing their friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. it's like, it's part of your personality now. That's something, I can't remember what episode exactly we talked about that, but we've talked about that. Attaching that to yourself. I think it was back in episode nine um, when we were talking about social proof. That sounds right. Mm. So yeah, and, th and that episode included one of the best strategies for setting up discovery, I think, and that's referrals. So kind of what we, you, you just talked about, Jake, where you're recommending a song to somebody else. So having one of your fans, if we're talking about it from your perspective as an artist, having one of your fans recommend you to more potential fans is a great example of an avenue for discovery. You're not discovering it on your own. It's being referred to you. Mm -hmm. So referrals work great if you already have some fans. But if you don't have fans, 
I don't think that means you're out of luck. There are still ways that you can sort of facilitate that discovery. And one of them is a, a trick that radio has used for decades. And it, it's really the concept that led to top 40 radio being a thing. And ultimately, I think now they've kind of shifted. It's not really top 40 radio anymore. Now, it kind of in the industry, it's called contemporary hits radio, or you'll hear it referred to as CHR. And this concept that made all that possible is the rule of three. I don't know if it has a true name. This is the name that I've given it, the rule of three. So basically, it works like this. Our brains love familiarity. Most people don't know whether they like a song or not on the first listen when they first hear it. It's unfamiliar. It's weird. Maybe they even say that they don't like it at that point. I know, Jake, we've talked about this before on the podcast where you've heard a song, you didn't like it, and then you later down the road became a fan of something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's that's kind of how most listeners start. And many still don't know if they like that same song on the second listen. Maybe on the second listen, it's not objectionable anymore. You're not saying, I don't like this, but you don't have a problem with it anymore. But, but still, you, you don't love it. It's kind of eh, still. <laughs> By the third listen, the song has started to become familiar. The human brain, I think, is wired for familiarity. There have been studies that kind of show this. I wish I had written down <laughs> some studies that you could go look at afterwards. Maybe I'll try and throw some in the show notes if you want to see more about that. But from an evolutionary standpoint, it's been shown that if something is familiar, it means that you've come in contact with it before and it hasn't killed you yet. <laughs> so that in your brain gives you the thumbs up. That's a, a good thing. Your brain likes that. Your brain likes to see things and interact with things that it's interacted with before because it means that they're safe. So hits radio has used that idea, that rule of three, on the third listen, you're going to be familiar. They've used that masterfully to skyrocket songs to number one, especially when radio was king. So the way they would go about doing that is they'd put a song into heavy rotation. So they'd play it again and again and again, spaced out throughout the day, but spaced pretty closely. And their goal that they were shooting for was for listeners to hear the song three times in a single day. So maybe somebody who was listening to radio, maybe they would hear the song on their way to work. Then they'd hear it again during their lunch hour while they're taking a little break. And then they'd hear it a final time on the commute home. So they get three listens in a single day. And when you do that, you're breaking through that unfamiliarity barrier quickly. You're taking away that kind of wariness about something that you don't know. You're, you're much more likely, in other words, to have a hit if you can get a bunch of people to hear a song three times in the same day. So as an independent artist looking to grow a fan base, I mean, radio is probably inaccessible to you. I mean, that's kind of the way of big corporate record labels and stuff like that. They kind of still control radio. It's unlikely that you're going to be able to just like call up iHeartRadio or something and pitch your song and they're going to like put it in heavy rotation. So that may not be the best way for you to go about doing this, but luckily I think these days radio isn't king anymore and you now have many avenues that you can take to try and achieve the same thing. Even if it's not three listens on a certain song, you can still try and achieve three exposures, you could say, of your brand to a person in a day or even over a couple days. It doesn't have to be within a single day. So again, we're not talking about spam. These need to be three organic exposures to your content. Somebody has to stumble across something. So what are the ways that you can go about doing that? I think there are three main avenues that you can implement to try and get those three exposures. So of course, we have playlists. That's kind of the radio of the day. We've talked about that with Jake. You've, you've given us a couple examples of ways to find the correct playlists for yourself. And we've talked about buying into playlists and stuff like that. So that's one. You have playlists on streaming platforms. We also have organic forms of social media. So Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, using hashtags and things like that would be an example of an organic 
way to get an exposure. You're using a hashtag that somebody might search and then they'll stumble across your post that has your song in it or something like that. Pretty much all social media platforms have some way that you can do that, create some sort of organic growth or organic way for for somebody to come in contact with your content. And then the last one is one that we haven't talked about yet. And I don't think it's one that we should overlook, even though a lot of people might kind of brush it off at the beginning. And that is paid ads and boosted posts on social media. Is that something that you've ever looked into, Jake, either of those things? Um, I used to try and do them, but I don't know if they really, really ever worked. And then something happened with my credit card and stuff for years, and then I fixed it, and then I just haven't bothered. Yeah, I I mean, it's one of those things that I think a lot of people don't even try just because like it's a paid thing and there's some risk involved within it. The best part, I think, is that when you aren't stuck with only one avenue of discovery like artists used to be in the radio days, I think you have more general opportunity. So I recommend using all three of these strategies simultaneously for the best results. So using playlists, using organic social media, where you're just trying to get people to stumble across your stuff. And then on top of that, using some paid advertisements or boosted posts that you're you're paying for. So if we break down each one of those individually, just as an overview, we're talking about playlists, pitching your music to appropriate playlists, or paying to be part of a playlist with similar artists. If you're talking about social media, I would say include music in your social media posts and stories. And what I mean by that is I recommend creating content that includes your music, but isn't completely focused on your music if you're trying to use this for like discovery purposes. So if all your posts are just sections of your song or chunks of a music video, it starts to feel more like the spammy kind of stuff. I've mentioned this before too on the podcast. So make it interesting, entertaining, or aesthetic as like the core of your post and then include the music as part of whatever that is, whether it's in the background of a video or something in a video is happening in response to music. So TikTok, for example, is a great platform for that type of thing. You can create some sort of visual content around your music and use that for discovery purposes. So that's our organic social media piece. And then Don't be afraid to put down a small amount of money and promote your content to a targeted audience with ads or boosted posts. So this one I do want to get a little bit deeper into. Boosted posts or sponsored posts or paid advertisements can be really, really useful because they allow you to target a very specific audience. So for example, on Facebook, when you boost a post, you can create an audience. That's part of the process of boosting a post if you've never actually clicked on that boost the post button and seen what comes up. It allows you to create an audience. So you're basically plugging in a bunch of information about the people that you want to see your post. Could be an age range, their gender, location, interests, hobbies. You could even put in like their political views, I don't know, food preferences, like pretty much anything is in there that you can you can target it towards. And then based on that profile that you create for your audience and how much money you put in, your post is shown to a certain number of people. That can't put a number on that because if you pay more money, they'll show it to more people. And if you make your audience more targeted, it's gonna be seen by more qualified people, you could say. So a lot of people shy away from that, I think, because of the paid portion of it. And I guess it's there's also a negative connotation, I think, that comes with the word ad or advertisement. But it really can be pretty cheap, actually. And if you put some thought into matching your content and the target audience that you create, I think it can be really effective. So boosting a post on Facebook, for example, I don't know, if, if, if I was trying to come up with an example of what it might look like, it could be total for like a five-day run of ads, which would come out to $2 a day for maybe, I don't know, maybe a couple thousand views. I'm kind of pulling that number out of nowhere, but just from using the boost feature, that seems like a, a general kind of area that we could say. So a couple thousand, maybe to you, that doesn't seem like a lot, 
but you have to think that these are qualified viewers. They fit your audience that you've created. So if somebody in that audience sees it, they're much more likely to connect with your content and do something than just like a random person. Does that make sense? I just like talked a lot about that and rambled and did that connect at all? <laughs> did I make any sense? When Let I said me that? sum it up. Let me sum it up. All right. Quality over quantity. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's what you're going for. That <laughs> that sums it up perfectly. You're going for quality views over quantity views. Enough said. <laughs> So that's like boosted posts. Another way, uh, and this is one that I don't see many artists do, but in like a, a service business type thing, <laughs> this is something that you see a lot more. And this is a type of ad called retargeting. Have you ever heard of that, Jake? Mm, I think I just heard that today. Is that when someone like kind of just like brushes up against your promotional material or, or your whatever you want, and then the the marketing computer or whatever knows that so it pushes them another piece of your content another piece of music or something yeah exactly yeah it could be music it could be anything really so basically it's it's a way to get even more targeted with your ads by showing them only to people who have already interacted with you and your content in some way so so sick yeah it's it's really really cool so say you set up a retargeting ad for your facebook page or your website or something like that so when somebody comes to one of those places, they are going to be shown a certain number of your ads. It can be really however many you choose and want to pay for over the next like 90 days or some set amount of time. So that's really, really powerful. I think if somebody interacts with you, they've already shown some interest. Then after that, they're reminded of you again and again and again for however many ads you've set up. That can be a really, really great way to achieve the rule of three over whatever time period that is. You could set it up so that they're going to see three of your ads that have a video with your music in it over the course of 90 days or 60 days or 30 days, whatever you set it up to be. So again, the key with all of this is to not make the ads spammy, to make them personal and feel like they're coming from a friend. So for this... I mean, there's some arguments to be made for this, but I think oftentimes a raw looking video from a cell phone can be more effective as an ad than a super produced and polished video just because it feels more personal. It feels more like it would come from a friend than from like a corporation. I don't know if you would say the same thing, Jake. Like if you see an ad that's filmed on a cell phone versus like a super produced studio ad. Does that make a difference to you? Uh, it just depends whether or not I care about what the person's saying. Like, if it starts off with, well, well, I got your attention. Like, <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Could we be talking about a specific yeah. ad in that, in that particular case? <laughs> we won't go there. Anyways, so yeah, yeah, don't write off ads because they cost money or are gross or anything like that. If you do it right, it could be a great way to facilitate discovery. And doing it right really just means thinking about what your audience is going to respond to. If you're, they're more likely to respond to a produced video, then that's the way you should go. If you feel like they're more likely to respond from a really informal cell phone video, then that's the way you should go. Just trying to match it up, match up the content with the target audience. So that is step one, discovery. That's the longest of the three steps that we're going to talk about. Big first step. Big first step. Yeah, exactly. So step two is learning. So this is the second piece that you want to lead your potential fans into. And this really is just all about giving people a way to learn more about you. So this is their information gathering. This is where social media can be an amazing tool, I think. You're going to show the behind the scenes let people in on some of the details of your life. You don't have to give them everything, but let them in on little parts of your life. Tell them the things that a friend would tell them. So social media is, is not a place to be separate and distant. You don't want that like professional relationship there. You want a social relationship. So if you want to grow a fan base, I think you have to let people in. Like the example before, like what's your favorite Skittle flavor, right? Like that's... That's not a business piece of information. 
But that's a personal-ish piece of information that a fan is going to see and and feel like they know you a little bit better. That's maybe a stupid example. But you want to help people learn more about you so that when they meet you at a show, they already feel like they know you well. Then you can have fun trying to navigate that lopsided, awkward interaction that I described (laughs) earlier. Do you have anything to add to that, Jake? For me, that's kind of the most simple, straightforward, no rules kind of step. Just let people in and let them know more about you. Yeah. I mean, I have a terrible time doing that, but I would say to do it. Yeah. It's not an easy thing. It takes conscious effort for most people, I think. But yeah. that's that's the idea that you just have to stay on top of that. And then finally, we have step three, and that is connection. What we just described, the learning step, I said it's sort of one-sided. Like you're you're providing value to a potential fan by giving them bits of your personality and your life that could be entertaining. Connection is the sort of deeper end of that. This is where the interaction between you and a potential fan becomes a two-way street. So here's where you can get kind of deep and personal with people. Ask your fans about their own lives and, and be genuinely interested. So if you go back to episode two, if you have a theme for your brand, like a social issue or, I don't know, something involving mental health or, or some something that you kind of integrate with your brand, this can be a place to have people connect about it, talk about it, and in doing so, you can build that connection with your fans and, and help grow the fan base. This is kind of like the giving back section, I guess you could say. And ultimately, I think this is what fans find truly, truly valuable in their interactions with artists and musicians. Like everybody's looking for that same thing. They want to be recognized. They want to be understood and they want to connect. They Give them that place where they can find those things. Would you agree with that? Yeah, the the... People that I've known that have been like super fans of artists or bands or whatever have always been like, like exactly what you're saying. They want to know like the the little details about them because it makes them feel like they know that person that much more. But I, th- I would say even on top of that, then it goes the other direction. So, for example, like this could be on a social media account or it could be less public. Like if if you're an artist and somebody sends you some sort of fan mail where mm. they talk about a struggle that they've had in their life like some or something like that give them a thoughtful response yeah thoughtful dm back a a letter back if they sent you a letter you know it's those types of interactions where you're allowing people to give a part of themselves to you it's sort of like the the deepest part of that relationship where it's no longer a one-sided relationship now you're you're allowing them to let you know more about themselves mm. do you have anything to add to that do you can you think of any any people who have done that super well. I can think of a lot of like, I don't know, metal bands and things like that where in like some of the interactions that I've had with bands in the studio and stuff like that, people will send fan mail and just like open up about stuff and they're they're looking for support. I can even think of like super fans, like kind of like what you were talking about, that bands knew by name because they had had a bunch of interactions like that mm-hmm. with somebody. I think that's kind of like the ultimate level and if you can set up a, an environment where that is an acceptable thing where people feel like they can do that with you i think that's that'll lead you to the ultimate goal yeah of, even better yeah really having a fan base that is almost at that point like a family you know what i mean like that's even maybe a little bit deeper than like a friend relationship a yeah. really really good friend you could say yeah yeah so Those are the three things that I think, the three steps that can lead you to a real, true, dedicated, and deep fan base. If you do those three things that we've just listed, you'll have friends. (laughs) You'll have fans. Your fan base will grow. And you'll be able to ask the favor at that point. So once you've covered these three steps, once you've allowed potential fans to go through these three steps, then you'll hit step four and that's the ultimate conversion. So that's commitment. If you create an environment for potential fans to achieve the first three, then you'll have given enough. You know what I mean? Those are the three like giving parts 
of the steps. You've created value. And then once you've created that value, you'll be able to ask for something in return and have fans who are going to be happy to be there for you. This might be the where you could create an exclusive thing that a fan could buy, a signed piece of mm, something. And you're okay. going to have people who are there who have connected with you on such a level that they're now not only willing to buy that, that's what they want yeah. from you, right? That's pretty awesome. That's the ultimate goal, I think, yeah. when you're creating a fan base. You have to take it from the point where you as an artist are asking them to consume your content, to listen to your music, to the point where they're asking you for more. Yeah. Yeah. If you can do that, that's huge for your brand and for your business. So go out there and start building all of this. Try these three steps. If there's anything in there that you haven't tried before, give it a shot. Maybe you haven't tried any paid advertisement or, or retargeting, or maybe you've kind of, you've interacted with fans on social media before, but you've never really allowed that to be a two-way conversation and gone a little bit deeper with them. Give those things a try. These aren't really difficult things to do. They, they just take some mental and emotional energy to do well. So I hope you can find that energy so that you can make your brand as a whole valuable and convert potential fans into true dedicated fans. So if you like this episode or if you're a fan of this podcast, <laughs> please do us a favor and go leave a five-star rating with a written review on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you want to hear more about any of the topics that we discussed today, or if you want to suggest a new topic for us to cover in an episode, you can email us at podcast at selfsignedartist.com and then head over to Self-Signed Community Group on Facebook and tell us about your fan base building strategies. What's worked for you? Have you tried boosted posts, retargeting? How do you connect with fans? Let's get some discussions going and trade some information between artists so that we can get everybody working towards that ultimate goal of building a strong fan base. That's it for this episode, and we'll catch you in the next one. Peace. Peace.